Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Again, it's a delight and honor to be here and to preach again at this wonderful place. I praise the Lord for uh, Ambassador. I praise the Lord for the leadership and uh, just rejoice in what God is doing. I say this every time I preach, and I'm going to say it again up front, lest I forget. Hey, folks, from outside ministering in the trenches for these many, many years, I want to just remind you something, men and women, we need you. We need you. We need you desperately. We need godly men and godly ladies that are yielded to the Lord and willing to follow Him. We need you. I say that sincerely. Oh, my soul. I trust that the Lord will work in your heart in these days and bring you closer to Him. I'm thinking in these days that so often throughout these many years, I trusted Christ at the age of seven and all these many years of knowing the Lord and being in church and hearing so many messages and challenges and, of course, reading uh, the Word of God through many, many times, this matter, and you've heard perhaps every chapel time, you've heard something about faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. And all these many years, it is something that continues to uh, come into our hearts and our lives is something that we all needed the, need the exhortation to be faithful to the Lord. I think of a kindred word to that word faithfulness. It's the word integrity. Some years ago, Warren Wiersbe gave the definition of integrity, and I like it very much. He says, integrity is having a single heart, a single mind, and a single will. And I like that. I'm not sure who gave this definition of integrity, but I really like this. And that is integrity is the keeping of a commitment, even though the circumstances under which you made that commitment have changed. Let me say that again. A integrity is the keeping of a commitment, even though the circumstances under which you've made that commitment have changed. All through these years, we have taken our young people to camp. And you can be in a, in a joyous service and the, the evangelist is, a, he's preaching a hot message and everybody's been moved to the Lord. And at the time of invitation, uh, boys and girls and men and women, they would come to the altar and they'd make these decisions. I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they would make those commitments to the Lord. That would be like in June or July, but by the end of August or September when they went to school, it seemed like that commitment had already faded away. You see, ladies and gentlemen, it seems to me that we often make our commitments to the Lord in the good times, in the times of comfort. But I just, I'm here today just to remind you, and that is, I trust that you've made your commitment to the Lord. You've make, made this step by being in Bible college. I want you to understand that God will challenge you day by day to be faithful to that commitment. But be reminded that the circumstances under which you made that commitment, they will change. They will change. It's not if, it's when they change. And the circumstances that God leads us in, He leads your life in. My friend, I want you to realize there is that call for faithfulness. We're not sure when Joseph made his commitment to God. I know he had a godly dad and he was a favorite among those uh, brethren that he had, but he kept his commitment to the Lord. And that was tested when he was in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife, she of course began to invite him to immorality. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 7 through 9, and 
Joseph, of course, would give this testimony. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? The circumstances had changed for that young man. Oh, my. And yet he kept his commitment. I'm not sure when Job made his commitment to the Lord, but we all know the story of Job and how God allows Satan to, uh, to work and take so many things away from his life. I know he's a godly man because I look in Job chapter 1 and I see this man so concerned about his children, his worship of the Lord. And yet I see his circumstances change drastically. And it came to that point that his dear wife, she threw up her hands, I'm sure tears coming down her face. She said, just forget about your integrity. Why don't you just curse God and die? And he could not do that. He would say, he would say, though he slays me, I will trust in him. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I declare unto you that our circumstances will change. I'm not sure when Daniel uh, made his commitment to the Lord. I, it must have been as he was a youngster. He was under the, under the tail end of Josiah, the king, godly king. And this young man made his commitment to the Lord, but his circumstances would change, as you know, as he became a hostage in Babylon. And, of course, the challenge that came to his heart, he kept his commitment, uh, commitment when the Lord, of course, allowed him to be challenged uh, by the king Nebuchadnezzar concerning the king's drink and, and, and meat. And the Bible says in chapter 1 and verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand that there are times in our lives we've made these commitments to the Lord, but there are those times that our circumstances will change. You already know that. And God blesses. Sometimes God will even freeze a deer. Did you hear that testimony? I trust you did. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 3. I want to look very quickly at one more Bible character. The theme of Hebrews is the superiority of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice to the whole Old Testament economy and all the saints that lived in that time. In chapter 3 here, verses 1 through 6, we have a comparison of our Lord with one of the greatest men in the Bible, and that is, of course, this man, Moses. And, and for sake of time, I'm looking at the clock here, but I want you to look at verses 5, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 5. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. I submit to you as I look at that passage, and I want to look at the context. We're going to do a little homework. I trust that you'll stay with me. Don't throw away your Bibles. Keep them close to you because I want to look at several passages. We need to look at the context, and I think it will bear out the faithfulness of this dear man. We realize, we've been taught this, you look at the life of Moses, that his life falls into three periods of time. Uh, we, we know they lived to be 120 years old. Uh, the Bible tells us that in the book of Deuteronomy. And we find that uh, uh, he, his first 40 years, we find, was, uh, of course, in uh, Egypt. And we know the story, how he was there, of course, born there, and how the edict to kill all the male children, and yet how he survived by God's providence and God's grace that positioned him to be a leader. And then we know there's the second 40 years that he spent in the wilderness, and then there is the third period of his life that we see that he, he was leading the people of God. Of course, the great exodus and then into the wilderness, of course, leading the people. I want us to spend just a moment looking at those 120 years. Do you have time? You have time? 
Uh, first of all, I'm going to ask you, if you would please, to go back to, with me to the book of Exodus chapter 2. I want to look at those first 40 years. Verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 3 applies to that, I believe, that last portion of his life. But it's important for us. God declared, God would say this in the book of Numbers about Moses, that he was faithful in all of his house. That's repeated by the author, of course, the Spirit of God, through the writer in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 5. And so this man is a faithful man, but I want to look at his entirety of his life. What does the Scripture say about this? Well, I look to Exodus chapter 2. And as I look at this passage, I'll not take the time to give all the context, but here is the birth of Moses, and here are the early years, and you remember that. Look, if you would please, at verses 10, 11, and 12. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 10, And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. I'll stop there. I want you to understand that between verses 10 and verse 11, there are 40 years. Do we know anything about those 40 years? Do we know anything? What happened in Egypt? What happened in preparation of this man's life? Well, we really can't find a lot until we come to the New Testament. Now, if you can, put a bookmark here in Exodus chapter 2. We'll come back in just a moment. But I want you to go, if you would please, to the book of Acts chapter 7. Would you do that? We find in Acts chapter 7 that Stephen is preaching. He will be martyred. Here's a man faithfully preaching the Word of God. It's incredible the knowledge he has of Old Testament history. And he gives us some information about those first 40 years. And I want you to note this, if you would, please. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, let's look at verse 21 through verse 25. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verse 21, And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up, speaking of Moses, and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Verse 25, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. Now, Stephen gives us a little insight into those first 40 years. What happened in the life of this man, Moses? Well, look again, please, at verse 22. Note this. First of all, I want to just highlight this. I see in uh, uh, verse 22, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. I see the growth of his mental abilities. The growth of his mental abilities. Verse 22 again, he was mighty in words. I see the growth of his verbal skills. He was mighty in words. It also says he was mighty in deeds. I see the growth of his physical powers. You see that? The growth of his mental abilities, the growth of his verbal skills, the growth of his physical powers. And you take all three of those, number four, looking at verse 22, I see the growth 
of his leadership abilities. That's what we have here. But look at the last part. Look at verse 23, 24, and 25. I'll not read that again. But we have the growth of vision in his life. The growth of vision in his life. It's a budding of an understanding of God's purpose for him. Little else is known about those first 40 years. But I would say, ladies and gentlemen, that this is a, just part of the preparation of all of us. You think about this, and especially as we are preparing for ministry, the growth of his mental abilities, the growth of his verbal skills, the growth of his physical powers, thus the growth of his leadership abilities, the growth of vision in his life. All of that is so very important. But what about the second 40 years of his life? I want you to note again, you're in Acts chapter 7, note verse 30, just the first phrase. Chapter 7, verse 30 of Acts. And when 40 years were expired or had passed or were fulfilled, what happened, what happened in those next 40 years as he was in Midian? He was in the wilderness. Well, we get a glimpse into what happened in his life when at the conclusion of that second 40 years, of course, he is before the Lord at the burning bush. I'm going to ask you to go right back. I told you to keep your place in Acts chapter 2. Go back with me, if you would please, to chapter 3, Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. I want you to note, if you would, here that at the conclusion of that second 40 years, the Lord appears to him. And let me read verses 9. Exodus chapter 3. Verses 9 through verse 11. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me. And I, I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. The Lord is speaking here. Come now, verse 10, come now therefore I will send thee. Speaking to Moses. I will send you Moses unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children out of Egypt? Folks, I look at this. You can see that there has been, get this, you can see there's been the death of something. Did you see that? There's been the death of something. Note that if you would. I, I, want, I want to point that out. I won't read verses 10 and 11 again of Exodus chapter 3. But there is the death of his vision for his life. There's a death for his vision. Oh, boy, God had given him just a budding there uh, at the uh, commissioning. Uh, and, and just to realize again, or I should go back to the first 40 years, the end of 40 years, he thought it was time to deliver God's people. But it wasn't God's time. But he lost that. There's a death of his vision for life. Turn the page in Exodus and look at chapter 4 and verse 10. The Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, but I am slow of speech I, I, and of a slow tongue. In the Hebrew he is saying, I'm from the south. I don't speak very quickly. Trying to encourage some of you southern boys. I see here the death of his verbal skills. Do you see that? The death of his verbal skills. Look in chapter 4 of Exodus verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. I see the death of his leadership abilities. 
Do you see that? That's after 80 years, the Lord appears to him and challenges him. I'm ready to use you. And here was a man that was skilled in all of those abilities, my soul, in the University of Cairo. We see all of those great abilities. But folks, I want you to realize that his circumstances had changed. There is a time in a person's life that there has to be a death to his strengths or at least relying upon our strengths. You will face that. I've been around for a long time. This thing of dying to self will never cease. There, there, is, there is the time in our lives, there is this youth where you, you're young and you have visions and you have goals in your life and there's excitement about doing this and that. But oh, my friend, listen, you need to understand that God will, God will teach you and He will work in your life to the place and He will allow things to happen in your life. There will be those times of trouble and challenge. There will be times of brokenness in your life. And God will use that, that you will not depend upon your own strengths, but you'll depend upon Him. You'll depend upon Him. I think of my Bible college days and I heard this passage preached so many times not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, I say unto you, that's going to happen in your life. You need to understand that. That's the Christian life. There will be those times that all of those, those foundations, those elements of strength, those things in your life that has so encouraged you, they will be taken away. And my friend, it will be, again, the challenge to be faithful to the Lord, to be committed to Him. As a pastor, I don't know how many times, Gail and I have counted up over these almost 50 years, I've probably preached over 500, maybe 600 funerals. God has given me a unique ministry through the years and don't have time to share that with you, to preach a lot of funerals. And I've noticed, I've noticed at the graveside, we go to the cemetery and we go to the graveside, and I've noticed at least two major uh, things that happen in people. Either they become, they become bitter. I've seen people stand there with their jaw tight, and boy, their brow was knit, and boy, they were standing there. I could, I could see the heat of their anger toward God. I could see that. And, and, and you see, folks, when you leave the cemetery and you're bitter, you become useless. Please believe me. When there's bitterness in your life, and the Lord may allow me to speak on that tomorrow in chapel, but when there's bitterness in your life, you will be useless for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I have also seen most of the time God's people, they come and they're broken hard. There's brokenness, but there's humility there's an acceptance of God's will. Oh, He's changing my circumstances. I've made this commitment many years ago to follow Him and trust in Him, and the circumstances are gone. Here, I'm here. They're burying mom or dad or brother or sister or even a child or a best friend or whoever it may be. But you leave with humility when you're humble, when there's brokenness. My friend, there's usefulness then. God will use you. Folks, here is the whole message and here's the challenge today. And that is we are to be faithful. But let me ask you, in those times in your life when you have to go to the cemetery, 
And I'm not only talking about literally, but I'm talking about those times that you see that you are repositioned or something valuable has been snatched out of your life. Where will you go from the cemetery? Where will you go, my friend? Will you go in bitterness? Or will there be humility in saying, Lord, help me? I look to the Word of God. For Isaiah, he had his focus, his admiration upon King Uzziah. And of course, in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, he had a vision of the Lord. Isaiah would say, Woe is me, for I'm undone. But he said, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then he said, Then he said, Here am I, send me. You see, he went to the cemetery. How did he respond? Oh, yes, with tears, brokenness. But my friend, he was useful because he was humble before the Lord, he was committed to the Lord. I think of John the Baptist when the popularity of Jesus overtakes his ministry. And of course, we know that great statement, Oh my, would this burn in my heart, in all of our hearts. And when he said in John 3 verse 30, John said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Hey, what, what would Moses do after the death of his strengths? What would he do? I want to know that. Well, that's Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 5. That's that last section, that last 40 years of his life. How would we characterize? How does God characterize those last 40 years of this man's life? Well, I'm going to ask you, if you would please, to stay with me. I I hope you're still in Exodus. Look in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 6. Exodus chapter 7 and verse 6. How was the faithfulness of Moses defined? I want you to look in Exodus chapter 7. And if you'll note with me, please, verse 6. The Scripture says, And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. Folks, I want you to realize that this is the first occurrence of a similar statement that you look in your Strong's Concordance sometimes. This is first occurrence of a similar statement found nearly 40 times between this verse and the death of Moses. You'll see it over and over and over again. Moses did as the Lord had commanded him. Oh, Moses, what did you do at the death of your strengths and your abilities? What did you do? How did you respond? How did you leave the cemetery? He said, I just kept on obeying the Lord. I kept trusting in Him. He would give me commands and I would do that. And folks, I want you to turn, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 9. The last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. I know I've put blisters on your fingers today turning in your Bibles. And I hope you have. But I want to point out verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 34 and look at verse 9. The Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. Note this. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, that is Joshua, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. This is the last occurrence of a second phrase that occurs nearly 40 times, and it's this. Look at it again. Moses did as the Lord had commanded him. 
And folks, the strength of his leadership is recorded this way. Note this. The children of Israel, this is what I'm trying to point out. The children of Israel did as Moses commanded them. This is a picture of his leadership. You see what God does when we humble ourselves? Even though our circumstances in life, they will change. And there will be a death to our strengths. There will be a dying to self. There will be those those things that God will position in our lives that will drain us of of those abilities that we thought we had. And maybe God has gifted us with those things, but we no longer depend upon those things. We do not depend upon our flesh. We depend upon the living God. Say amen. Amen. I trust that you'll understand this is a tremendous truth to my heart. Here's a man who was faithful in following what God had commanded him to do. And the fruit of his leadership is a commitment of an entire nation after 40 years of doing what God had commanded Moses to do. I'm going to cut short the rest of the message. I'll come back one of these days and preach the rest of it. But I look at this example of the man of God, Moses. It was an evangelist many years ago who said these words. Vance Havner wrote, God uses broken things. It is the broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It is the broken soil that produces a crop. It is the broken clouds that give rain. It is the broken grain that gives bread. It is the broken bread that gives strength. God uses broken things. Young people, I say to you men, many of you will be preachers of the Word of God. Many of you will give your lives as missionaries. Many of you will be used in other aspects, but you will be a man of God. Oh, my friend, I want you to realize there will be those times that God will break you. How will you react? How will you respond from the cemetery? Will it be in bitterness? Well, if it is, if you get mad at God, you're going to be useless. But if there is brokenness but humility and yieldingness to your God... There will be usefulness. God will use you. He will bless you in mighty ways. Vance Havner, after the death of his wife, and he would minister many years after that. I had the privilege to hear him preach two or three times. I'm that old. But he was a godly man, a powerful preacher. After his wife died, he would often use this little piece of verse. He would use this Lord of the years that are left to me, I give them to thy hand. Take me and make me and mold me to the pattern thou hast planned. And he would preach this. And in a sermon, he hear the words that he would preach. Why not make him Lord of what's left? What is left of my time? What is left of me, my strength, my abilities, and all I am and have, as with the feeding of the multitude with loaves and fishes, what might not still be wrought with the pieces left over? Blessed are they who begin early in the vineyard, but better late than never. Bring the broken threads, the scraps, and lay it at his feet. He who restores the years the locust hath eaten may do a wonder with leftovers. At any rate, if you fail to crown him early, make him Lord of what's left. I would challenge you today, young people. I think you've probably been told this before. And you're adults now, and you've already faced some tough times in your life. But I remind you, where are you at with the Lord? 
Would you lift your broken heart up to Him right now as a sacrifice of surrender and submission? Will you say in your heart, I'm willing, I'm willing to be broken. I'm willing to be changed. I'm willing to learn at your table, dear God. My friend, it's coming. Do you accept that? All right, it, listen, will you keep your commitment to Him? I trust that you will. Samuel Rutherford, a preacher in the 16th century, he made this statement after being two years exiled from his pulpit, not willing to bow and, and change his commitment to God in the preaching of the gospel. He would say this to his people as he wrote to them, dry wells, send us to the fountain. Dry wells, send us to the fountain. And that is our blessed Lord and Savior. Would you stand with me at this time? God bless you. Thank you for listening today. And I trust that the Lord will take something I've shared and apply it to your heart and your life. You can be faithful, sir, ma'am. You can be faithful. You can follow the Lord. You're going to have some bumps in the road. Some of you will have tremendous valleys in the road. But will you keep your commitment to the Lord? Heavenly Father, we look to you today and we thank you for our time together. I pray that you've taken these stuttering words. and Father, it is your word. We've spent some time in your word today. And Father, we looked at this man, Moses. Oh my, 120 years. We feel like sometimes we'd like to live that long until we begin to see the cost of old age. And there again, the family that goes home to be with the Lord and our friends. And, and yet, Lord, we always have you. And Lord, I, I don't know, I just felt in the last few weeks thinking about this opportunity that even young people, I remember as a Bible college student many, many years ago, that it was every day talking to a friend on campus. Somebody, someone had just had a broken, brokenness in their lives. Uh, there was someone having a hard time. Someone was having their circumstances changed drastically. Many of those, my friends, my colleagues, many of them would be bitter and angry. But I saw some of the brethren and dear ladies that were humble. And they, no matter what their circumstances you brought into their lives, they were, kept their commitment. They kept their commitment to you. They were faithful. They were faithful. Moses was faithful. Joseph was faithful. Job was faithful. Daniel was faithful. I pray at the end of my life, it can be said in my testimony, Greg Allison was faithful. And Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. Your grace and your mercy, your strength, your guidance to help me to be faithful. Bless these young people. Father, as I began this message, I'll say it again. Lord, you know. Lord, we have you. I realize you're all that we need. We know that. But humanly speaking, when it comes to the soldiers of the cross, we need these young people. I pray that you'll work in their hearts and their lives. I pray that this, from this congregation, that we'll have men and women willing to keep their commitment to you and to be faithful, to be faithful. In Jesus' blessed name I do pray.
with thanksgiving.